everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cisco Champions Radio. Today we'll be talking about ACI on AWS. Our Cisco SMEs are Chris and Lionel, and I'll have you guys do quick intros in one sec. And then our champions today are Matt and Charlie. As for me, I am Lauren Friedman Albert from the Cisco Champion program team. I'll be playing the part of moderator and doctor. All right, Chris, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, hi, I'm Chris Feigen, I work for Cisco. I lead the uh, global team of technical marketing engineers on ACI. And we let you in here, huh? I'm sorry, and, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, and then somebody let me in, yeah. All right, Lionel, hi, who are you, what do you do? My name is Lionel Erko, I'm part of that team, I'm part of, of Chris' teams, and I'm focusing on the AWS integration into ACI. Fantastic, all right, you want to go ahead? Sure, yeah. Um, I'm Charlie, I'm from uh, BT. I worked a lot with ACI, I sent the portfolio team. I spent half my time doing field engineering, trying to get people and customers moved over to ACI. Awesome. Last but not least. Yeah. Hi, I, I'm Matt. I work at Logicalis, and I lead the European Cloud Center of Excellence. Awesome. All right, Charlie, let me turn it over to you, and you can ask the exciting questions. And sure. I'll ask the less exciting ones. Yeah, great. Okay, so, yeah. Hi, hi, Chris. Hi, Lionel. Um, so, ACI and AWS, um, tell us a little bit about it. Can you give us a short overview as to what that is and what the value is to our customers? Yeah, so we, we might just tag team. Yeah, I mean, the idea is that you make AWS uh, a, a, a natural extension of your ACI fabric, just like you know, we're doing with Remote Leaf or VPod, if you're familiar with those uh, concepts. The, um, the goal is the same thing. So we want you to consume cloud resources in a, a manner that is very uh, cohesive with how you consume ACI resources today. So we want to provide you the same experience whether you deploy your applications on-prem, on a remote branch office, or in the public cloud. So you know, we want to abstract essentially the consumption of cloud resources. Yeah. Right? Well, every customer I work with now has some kind of cloud strategy. They're either actively um, consuming cloud services or they're, they're thinking about it or trying to figure out how can we make best use of it, but the, the economics of that comes into play as well. But one key thing is how easy it is to um, deploy and use this kind of service. So when it comes to ACI and AWS, how easy is it or you know, how simple is it for a customer to adopt and get running with it? Yeah, well, so yeah, good, good question. Um, if you are an ACI user slash customer today, one of the key design goals of the solution was that we want to maintain the experience you are familiar with as you deploy workloads in the public cloud. Mm -hmm. So you could literally deploy the uh, AWS extension for ACI even if you don't know much about AWS networking, for instance, because we want to abstract that. Now, to be more pragmatic, how you deploy the solution is very simple. We give you a cloud formation template, so it's a, a, a series of automation uh, workflows, if you will, that deploy the cloud APIC. Um, we spin up CSR 1000 Vs to uh, connect back onto the on-prem location. Um, and the whole thing is essentially uh, orchestrated from multi-site orchestrator. So it's exactly the same experience as if you are uh, configuring a, a multi-site ACI deployment. Um, we just treat the public cloud as another site. Um. Could you tell us a bit more about the use cases? Like, uh, what did the customers tell you that made you uh, create a solution like this? I want to I make sure Lionel gets some you know, yeah, air so time as well. <laughs> no problem. 
So the use case, there is different use cases um, for the AWS. The first one is really you want to extend the policies that you already define, the groups, because ACI is based on groups, uh, that you already define on-premise in the cloud. So you want just to stretch those uh, EPGs uh, up to there to be able to deploy a new workload to burst to cloud. Uh, so for example, the web tier is, is a good example. Uh, people want to, their, their web tier to be scalable and to be able that if we announce a new product, we want to be able to scale to absorb the demand. And that's where cloud, cloud uh, are really good for us. So that's one of the, the use case. Okay. Uh, you mean if the customer is running the application on-prem and they run out of resources, they want to scale it out so they, they can take it safely? Yes. Yes, exactly. They can take it safely there, and also they can take it back. When, when they don't need the demand anymore, they can just uh, shut down those instances, reduce the cost, and come back to the, the resources they already have on-prem. That's, re that's really something that, that the solution allows you to do, is that it allows you to go to cloud, but also to come back to cloud. Some customers are also afraid that if they move to the cloud, they will not be able to come back. Yeah. And so that, that, that's just what the You mean like cloud lock-in and... Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, what about... Um, the multi-cloud and all that space. For now, I understand that starting from 4.1, you'll be supporting AWS. What about some future clouds? Are you yeah. considering uh, Azure, Google Cloud? Yeah, we are. So, you know, we got to learn before we, we, we run. No, we got to walk before we run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did I say learn? Uh, yeah, and so on the roadmap, we have uh, integration with other public clouds. So we have Azure on the roadmap. That's going to be the next one after AWS. So right now, the tentative schedule is in the summertime, second half of this calendar year. Um, then we're looking at different uh, options, uh, Google Cloud being one of them. Uh, I think uh, Alibaba is another one that we're looking at. And we're not excluding anything else. But uh, yeah, the strategy is very clear, is we want to make sure that you can consume any cloud resource in the same manner as you know, we start with AWS. So really, at Ali Cloud as well? We're not doing it now, but okay. that's, that's I was just being curious. considered. Okay. Yeah. We start with AWS, so that's... Of course, uh, yeah. You know, we have to focus somewhere, so yeah. So it seems like we, we can take advantage of some of the agility stories. You know, so, for example, if I want to... You know, I'm uh, someone who's very familiar with something on-premises, and I want to take advantage of using AWS or Azure and extend into that, but I don't need to learn about all of that day one. I can get there using the same operating model that I've got today? Is that, is that a fair statement? That's a, that's a very fair statement, and mm -hmm. that's, that's exactly what uh, we want to deliver. Mm -hmm. um, so what, like I said, one of the goals was to make sure that you maintain the same ACI experience, uh, whether you deploy on-prem or in the public cloud. So yeah, that's a very fair statement. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So I, I know you're going to get the question from your customers about security because the spines and leaves within an on-prem deployment, they're, they're really important in the controller, like absolutely important and critical to the business. How does this integration work when you're exposing some of that to a third party, to a, to a cloud provider? Mm -hmm. How do we deal with that? There is different ways to, to protect your, your spine or your existing network. So first, we isolate it from the internet so it doesn't run on the internet directly. We, create a, we can encrypt it with IPsec and secure that communication. But we can also run through a direct connect, so a, a, a private link to the AWS cloud or to the other uh, clouds, uh, where we peer directly on that infrastructure which is belonging to that uh, cloud provider, and we are not linked to internet at all. So if you want to isolate completely your system, uh, the solution will uh, help you to extend there, but without having to 
compromise security of, of, of your spec. Uh, what about, I know a lot of our customers are worried about cost, especially on the public cloud. What about the deployment of, I understand that when you deploy the ACI anywhere on AWS, uh, you have to deploy CSRs and terminate IPsec, OSPF, and BGP there in order to extend your VXLANs. What about the cost of running all that on, on Amazon? Do you have some kind of uh, assessment tool or something to help the customers understand how much that's going to cost them depending on the workloads they're running? Yes, so that's going to be part of the, uh, the day one deliverables. Uh, we have a cost projection you know, model that will help you basically estimate the running cost of the, the solution. Yeah, that's a legitimate concern because, mm -hmm. of course, there's costs associated with running those instances. That, that, that's comforting. Uh, could you just walk us quickly through uh, the elements of the entire architecture, what you're deploying on-prem and what's required yeah. on a public cloud? Yeah, I think from a, a high-level architecture standpoint, you have uh, three components. So you have on-prem APIC, ACI, multi-site orchestrator, which is a piece of software which you know, essentially coordinates the on-prem and the cloud components. And then in the AWS cloud, you have what's called Cloud APIC, which is a brand new product. So Cloud APIC is essentially uh, an instance which runs on Amazon. Um, it's meant to translate ACI constructs into something that makes sense in AWS networking terms. Right? So it's essentially a translating device, if, if, if you will, so to speak. It's just control plane, so it's not in the data path. Um, so we do not create an overlay on top of, of AWS. High level, those three components. So multi-site orchestrator registers your cloud site, um, register your on-prem site, and then you can create those templates that you are probably familiar with if you've played with multi-site. And you simply deploy your uh, policies and tenants, endpoint groups and contracts uh, on-prem and to the cloud, and CAPIC will translate those policies into something that makes sense in AWS, like security groups, network access list, VPC. And do you deploy um, everything on cloud, like a specific VPC, maybe a transit one, infra one, or something like yes. that? Yes, yes, so there's two VPCs that are part of the solution. The cloud APIC itself, the CSR 1000 Vs, are deployed into something called the infra VPC. So you create an account on AWS and you install, using the CloudFormation template, the CAPIC in that uh, VPC. And then uh, when you extend a tenant from on-prem to the cloud, that tenant actually translates into another account on AWS onto which we create at least a VPC. So if you create a VRF on-site, then a VPC will get uh, instantiated with its CIDR block on AWS. What about the MSO? Uh, do you deploy that on public cloud or on-prem, or what do you support there? So, so today uh, we support on-prem deployment of uh, MSO, and we are looking to provide also an image to be able to deploy it in the cloud. Oh, so it's in the roadmap. So that's in the roadmap. It's not there today. Sure. So what if you're coming from, uh, I guess, from the AWS side of the business? So you, you are, you, you've been getting familiar with AWS. You've gone through your system architecture certifications and things like that. You, you understand the networking to some depth. Uh, you've built Terraform templates or CloudFormation templates, and then the networking side of the business says, hey, we're coming into your space. So what, what's the message that we, we say to the people who are coming from an AWS background into this environment? I got to think about that one. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess the, the, the customers we, we kind of cater to is, uh, is probably not immediately that customer base. It's more you know, the ACI people, network administrators. 
that want to maintain the same experience on AWS. If you're extremely proficient with AWS and Terraform and mm. you know, the AWS CLI and whatnot, um, well, you, you'll have to learn our constructs, which might feel a little mm. awkward. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, 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 know, you can. Yeah, you, there's no reason why you couldn't do that. If you say, well, I'll, I would like another model uh, that abstracts my, my, my AWS constructs, mm. well, then you'll have it. Actually, you, this brings me on to another point. You can use the Cloud API component as a standalone component, which means you, know, you, you can actually go into its user interface and start configuring uh, constructs such as tenants, VRF endpoint groups, uh, you know, uh, contracts, filters, and those will then translate into AWS components. Mm. So you, you know, if you want to learn ACI and mm. you are an AWS pundit, it's a great way to start. Yeah. <laughs> so looking at it from a slightly different angle, let's say I've got uh, an already working practice deploying the applications in AWS. Are we saying that the two can coexist quite happily? They can coexist, however, uh, for the sake of being completely transparent, we don't handle brownfield deployments uh, at day one. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if you have instances already attached to uh, subnets and route tables and VPCs and you have security groups, we're not going to translate those into, you know, we're not going to do a reverse mapping, mm -hmm. if you will, into ACI constructs. So it always translates from the ACI policy model into the AWS. That is correct, yeah. Mm -hmm. So at, at the first instantiation of the product will be meant for greenfield deployments, mm -hmm. right? What but about uh, one of the, I think, common use cases for ACI is, of course, automation. And uh, some of our customers deployed quite a few uh, scripts. scripts and portals based on the ACI API. <laughs> is API the same? Does that change? So the, the API is available on CAPIC, because like on APIC. There are some slight change in the uh, object model because for example, there is no layer two uh, concept in uh, AWS, so or in the cloud generally. So some of that has slightly changed, but most of the objects are the same. And uh, also, there is an API in MSO, so you can directly attack the API of MSO, which was the same as previously, to push to the multiple sites at once. Mm. On the same uh, subject, we also have the integration into Ansible and Terraform for both the on-prem epic and the cloud epic. So it has a different. API, what I understand, CAPIC? So it has a slightly different object model. The API is the same, it, act, it works the same, but some of the objects and the relationships you have to use are different. Okay, thanks. So having had a look at some of the demonstrations of ACI in AWS, one of the things that really stuck out for me was um, in AWS, there are a number of different auto-generated names. They're quite long, they're base64. I was thinking when I've got like two or three of those, that's, that's fine. But when I've got like hundreds of those, that can be a bit difficult to manage. And I noticed that there were, there were hooks showing the ACI objects like as a, as a hook into these. And there were more, uh, there were friendlier names in, in terms of that operation. Correct. So, so that kind of user experience is, is, you know, seems like a really positive thing. But uh, we touched on it earlier with, with the different clouds, with Azure and Google. It, it looks like Cisco are positioning themselves to create choice, you know, create a marketplace of sorts, whether directly or indirectly, but that's, that's the outcome. You're by enabling a customer to facilitate change and to move and choose on other factors, business factors, that you're effectively creating a cloud marketplace with Cisco at the center. Is there anything that you'd like to add to that? Any, any other thoughts about the strategy long term? Or is that something else? <laughs> <laughs> I think I lost yeah. track yeah. of the question because yeah. I was thinking about the base 64 UUID names. And then <laughs> I, I guess 
take it from my, my point of view, I mean, with BT launching a managed service around yeah. ACI, yeah. this is a really good way for us to extend that service into other clouds right. and provide additional value for that cloud. So the, the, the concept of being able to, to choose where you put a workload um, is, is, uh, is really powerful and be able to do that very quickly as well. But that's something that um, is really in the origin of ACI. Mm. In ACI, we always gave you the, the choice of where do you want that villain to live or that workload to be, or also which workload it is. Mm. We don't care if it's a bare metal a VM, a container, if it's running on-prem, somewhere else, in the cloud now. So all of that, we, we let you choose your, which workload you run, where, on which hypervisor, anything. That's your choice. And that's really, as you said, it's really creating a marketplace for our customer to be able to develop and our partner to be able to uh, extend their services everywhere ACI go. Okay. What about, uh, last question from my side, what about integration? Because our customers, what they primarily want is the visibility of their applications end-to-end. -end. They want to see what's happening. So, like products such as, such as Cloud Center, FD, Turbonom, well, CWOM integration, all that are really good at that. Is there some, um, some plan to integrate all that together so that the customers can, apart from the unified policy model in the hybrid cloud, also have the visibility of the workloads and the application? Because those products that you mentioned already integrates into AWS, and because we in fact, uses the, the, the AWS construct. We don't recreate, as, said, as Chris said, we don't create an overlay that would hide the networking. Um, those will be visible for, to any integration, any third party or Cisco product that's already hooked into the AWS or cloud uh, construct. On top of that, Cloud Center already had uh, an integration into ACI on-prem. Uh, we are looking to extend that integration to make it, uh, acti to make it integrate at, at the MSO level. And at that point, it can push to both sides, being a cloud or not a cloud. Awesome. Uh, we don't care. So with, with the use of, of AWS, um, what about things like visibility and analytics? I mean, obviously, you've got your own products. But are you going to take advantage of the additional data that's available now that you can, you're already talking to the AWS API? There's an awful lot of data there, not just network-related, network but performance and compute-related. The kind of things that we're trying to get out there, like the AppD integration with ACI, some of that data is already available in the AWS API mm -hmm. natively. So is there any, any view of how you can like, absorb and ingest that data and do some clever stuff with it? That's something we definitely want to do. I mean, we, we might not have that at day one, but mm -hmm. um, there's no reason why we wouldn't want to exploit the data that's available to us. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I mean, consuming this is simply just a, a couple of API calls. So mm -hmm. it would be very simple for us to integrate that data into either the CAPIC dashboard or on MSO. But yeah, we, we want to basically you know, make multi-site orchestrator the, uh, the portal, not just for provisioning, but eventually for uh, monitoring and, and, um, and, and, and running you know, the, on, on a day-to-day -day basis your, uh, your, your cloud-extended infrastructure. Well, last question from me is, um, given that Cisco's made this transformation of, into becoming more of a software company and, uh, and performing really well in doing so, Today, ACI on AWS is anchored on an on-prem deployment. Do you foresee a cloud-only deployment where you are only deploying into the cloud, and if there's you know, on-premises deployments, we take advantage of things like Hyperflex Edge instead? So basically not having an on-prem ACI deployment, having a cloud-only, cloud-managed deployment. Well, so the, the architecture that we have in place mm -hmm. don't really matter if it's on-prem or not. So if you have multiple clouds, 
uh, MSO will help you on, uh, across the whole clouds. If you only have one cloud, CAP, you use CAPEC alone in, in that cloud. Mm -hmm. So already today, this, mm -hmm. the, we, don't, we don't know, we, we, don't, we let you choose where you start. Yeah. But the idea is always that if you start, for example, in the cloud, we, we really think that at some point people will have a hybrid uh, cloud uh, strategy. Because people that are only in the cloud, there are very few that are only in the cloud. Generally, they either try to go to the cloud and then ends up in, I have a small on-prem fabric and the cloud, or I have a large on-prem fabric and a small cloud. So mm -hmm. I think that's, that, that's where we are going to go. But today, the product could, would work in that, and the architecture is already uh, designed for that. Yeah. yeah, and if you remember, I mean, when I mentioned, you know, Cloud Epic can run in standalone fashion, so mm. meaning that you could deploy just Cloud Epic without ACI and, you know, use it for, uh, say, inter-VPC communication or... Mm. Uh, you know. And there is one point on that, is that if you are new to AWS and you, you like the, the AWS elements, but you don't know how you're going to grow your AWS presence, we took the, the work to... to read and implement the, the best practices on how to do networking at scale in AWS and put that into CAPEC. Mm -hmm. So things like transit VPCs or other things, we have, we have put that in the product. So you don't have to go read those, those white papers that have been written with AWS and us when we release CSR1000V in AWS. You, you can just deploy CAPEC, start using CAPEC. It's going to deploy that using the, that. It's a little bit like we did on-prem on the fabric. You don't configure the VXLAN yourself and everything because we know it works and we, we think we know how to configure it best. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like there's a, a whole suite of products coming from Cisco now where um, it's a very asset light, pay as you grow kind of model, uh, you know, with now Cloud APIC, um, Hyperflex Edge, if you want to do that uh, with Intersight, uh, Tetration as a service as well, you know, and get to get the analytics in. So we're bringing those things together and you know, put that on top with a with a you know cloud managed SD one proposition as well. Uh, I can see it being very appealing and, and, and a one stop shop for all those services and tying it together. So I look forward to see what, what comes in the future. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. So just before we wrap up, Charlie, mm -hmm. are you on the Twitters? Yeah, you can find me on uh, CCIE Chaz if you want to follow me there. There we go. Uh, Matt, Chris. Yeah, I'm there, Matt Ivanovic. All right. Uh, and and also, sorry, just to mention my, my blog, matscloud.com. Oh, good job. I'm so proud. Um, and then Chris and Lionel, you this guys is, on the Twitters? This is where I'm going to show my old age. <gasps> I'm, I'm the Luddite in, in <sighs> the team. All right, well, we'll have to kidnap you and Twitterize you later. <laughs> so, yes, uh, I want Twitter uh, uh, L. Ercott, uh, my awesome. first letter and my last name. Congratulations. And I'm Lauren, and this has been a great Cisco Champions Radio episode. I hope that you've all found that enlightening, and talk to you all next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.